It's time for Cofield and Company's legal insider, Justin Watkins, on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Here we go, four o'clock hour. Justin Watkins is in. Of course, he's here. It's his building. It's his studio, Battleborn Broadcast Center. So we appreciate getting a chance to do another show here at the uh, BBBC. Um, we're about 20 minutes away from more conference chaos updates because in this case, it affects you well, sort of directly. It's not like you're at Oregon State now, but I'm sure you pitch them some money every once in a while. And things are going to change, we think, here in the next couple of days. Um, but I hate to say this because it was kind of mean at the time. And Adam's been all over, you know, just being kind of callous on the the college uh, athletics conference chaos stuff. He's like, oh, it's going to be, you know, be haves and have nots. There's going to be like 64 to 80 schools. And I don't even know why we're going through all this hemming and awing. That's where it's going to be eventually. Um, I got caught up in what he was saying. And I actually tweeted about your freshman quarterback when he had committed about a year and a half ago, Aiden Giles. And I tweeted something like, well, I'm like, you, you did turn down a big 10 school to play at a mountain West conference school. And he saw it and he reacted and then his family reacted. And now look where we are. There's a good chance that they could be in the mountain West. Did you resend that out and yeah. tag him again? No, I would never do that. Sure. I'm going to go do that right no, now. No, don't actually. do it. Don't do it. I think there's a chance he, he actually plays this year. Yeah. And, and if he does, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I, I still believe that Oregon state has a real ch- chance to make the college football playoff this year. Yep. Oh, um, what a story it would be if they, uh, you know, as they're being kind of left by the side and disrespected, if they go out and kick booty in the Pac-12 and to make waves. I mean, what what I think people who don't follow the team don't may not recognize is we really only lost one game last year um, that was out of hand. It was the Utah game. The Washington and USC games, both of them we had a lead. And if all we had was the quarterback, we would have won those games easily. I mean, we – we way outplayed USC. We outplayed Washington. We were just quarterback short of being 12 and one. And now we've got two awesome quarterbacks and basically have returned the, almost the entire team. We've certainly returned all the strength, which is one of the best O lines in the country, definitely top five and a, a great backfield. Uh, and now we were just quarterback short and our receivers are still there. We, we really haven't lost anything of substance that's going to keep us from improving on last year so i i think i'm not even saying that we're going to win the pac-12 championship i think we might make the college football playoff even if we don't oh wow okay well, let's let's uh i mean that coletto kid played like nine positions last year you lost like nine different players in one no i mean but he was no he, he was the you know was, jack of all was, trades he, master of none he was good at the end of the game against fresno <laughs> oh he's awesome yeah i mean he he's great. awesome on the on the wildcat but i, I apparently we already have another guy okay he's a, so that's a position <laughs> they recruit to yeah all right let, let's pick this up in about 15 minutes because there's a lot going on a lot of rumors um against essentially stanford at this stage stanford and san diego state are effing everything up so i'll just lay that out there and we'll update on what's going on um i don't know i was kind of sad for at least a couple minutes this morning i'm not sure what the right answer is adam what happened with the sentencing with henry ruggs uh they i mean they had done a plea deal but like i know part of it which was kind of strange to me which i didn't really fully grasp is that they could have then withdrawn the plea if they didn't like the sentencing like how does that work that that was kind of strange to me but he did get the three to ten years which also very confusing to me that is a very wide range yeah i mean it, it it's a minimum maximum that's how nevada sentencing works so he will serve at least three years okay no more than ten 
So then the that three to that three to ten period is where yeah, parole and probation oh, okay. comes into play. Okay. So what will happen is, you know, about three or four months out from his three year time period, they'll review to see whether or not he gets out at so three. So this could actually be a ten year sentence. Unlikely unless he's like doing things wrong while he's in prison. Um, you know, if So they don't they don't have the the I guess they do they have the authority then to go like, you know what? We didn't like that it was, a, you know, in our minds, a light sentence. We're just going to punish him by going 10. Is that yeah. in their purview? Yeah, sure. They could do that. But they usually don't. I mean, that's not that's not the analysis that they take. They have like a scorecard of things that they look at. And what do we think the punishment should have been is not one of those things under consideration. But there have been. It's like prior offenses, you know, wh whether or not there has been any incidents while they're in prison. You know, the role of parole and probation is assessing whether or not this person can reintegrate into life, whether or not they've, you know, learned from their mistakes, whether they're remorseful. It's not whether the punishment that was initially set down was appropriate or not. That's just not part of what their role is supposed to be. But I'm, I'm being real with you of like, they're humans, right? And will they look at this and be like, eh, you know, this guy should have gotten 15. Right. Maybe. I mean, I know it's that's it, not it's what they're different. supposed to do. It's not parole and probation, but it is. It's it's our justice system of there have been other high profile football players that committed things where they may have been maybe not by the book sentenced because right. of prior things, right? Sure. I mean, not without yeah. saying a name. Yeah. Like I know so, exactly. so yeah. even right. though the legal system probably didn't. And in that, that situation, got out on it was a range, and got out at the at the very low end of the range, okay. right right away. So okay, I mean, it, it just. I think that was confusing to a lot of people. What about the part where they with, was reserved the right to withdraw the plea if they didn't like the sentence? Yeah, you know that I, to be honest with you, I didn't even know you could do that, and <laughs> and I wonder about that because um, I'll have to ask some of the guys in the criminal realm that know better than I do. Um, but I, I wasn't aware that you could do that. That's did a, did you first, see that also? Yeah, I didn't. I, I when didn't, can can you just? I, I mean, I guess I'm asking you, you're trying to find out more information, but if the judge starts to say, all right, I'm going to actually go with, no, 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 hold on, hold yeah, on, no, yeah, no, no, yeah, no, yeah. no, 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 we don't, we don't want to do this anymore. Like, is there a set time where you say it? It's crazy. <laughs> oh, there, there is a time, yeah, where the judge is saying, okay, how do you plead? Do you understand? Do you understand? Do you understand? There's a series of questions that the judge will go through. You understand this is pleading guilty and that you can't, you can't change this. And this goes on your record and blah, 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 blah. And then I'm going to sentence you and that I don't have to adhere to the guidelines that you have put in your plea agreement. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, done. I sentence you to X, Y, and Z. I know it's not a fair question, but what? just guess. How long is he doing? Three years. And he's out? Yeah. Okay. I and there, and there's, no, there's no good behavior that. down to a year and a half? No. Minimum no. three. Maximum ten. And you said what, Adam? No, I don't, I mean, people are not going to be happy. I think a lot of people heard today three to ten. Like, okay. 10 is okay. I'm, I'm okay with 10. I assume three. It's going to yeah. be three. I mean, I, I I don't know. I don't know the guy. Like, does he act up in prison? Does he do stupid things? I don't know. I, don't, I, I, I would say no. Is he is he unable to express remorse when he's got a hearing in front of, the, you know, the parole and probation board? Because, you know, that's not with an attorney. That's you going in front. They get to ask you questions. Is, you know, if, is he, if he's unable to show remorse and he's, then then he'll have a problem but i would suspect three because he doesn't have any prior incidences this is it reacting to henry rugg sentencing this morning plea deal three to ten years 
for um, the official charge was what? What they plead down to? Well, the officials uh, not the charge because he was facing like fifty years in jail. Right. It's um, I put you on the spot, but yeah. Anyway, he it's you know involved with the uh, DUI crash death of local Tina Tintor and her dog Max. I don't remember if it ended up at invo- involuntary manslaughter or not. It doesn't sound right. It sounds like it was vehicular manslaughter. I think that's what it was. When's he back in the NFL? <laughs> right, let's just let's let's deal with it. I mean, at that point, it'll be it'll be five years. I, I mean, I don't, I just don't, I don't think it happens. Not well, that three not years that from now, so you're looking it. at the 2027 season. That'll be six years. It'll be okay. six years since he played. What? Wow. what how old will he be? What, 28? 28, 28, 29. Yeah, 28, 29. Yeah, I don't, I don't see it. Yeah, I, I just don't, I don't think it would happen. Oh, not, not because nobody would take him. I, I just don't see somebody that's been gone for that long mm-hmm. of period of time being able to to step back onto the field. I heard people talking about Michael Vick today. I was like, he missed what two seasons? That's different than six. Yeah, especially when his number one commodity was his speed. You know, I yeah. mean, when you get up to twenty eight, twenty nine, anyway, your things you, it's hard enough to to hold on to your speed. But when you can't play football yeah. for six years and train that way, I, I just don't see it. Just running sprints every day. Could be. I don't know. Maybe. By the way, he pled guilty to one felony count of DUI resulting in death and one misdemeanor count of vehicular manslaughter. That's a misdemeanor? That's kind of well, wild. yeah, they got the felony on the on the DUI part. Doesn't it just doesn't sound like it should be. Once he's science. once he's out of jail, if we'll, we've done two felonies, they wouldn't have been able to get the range of the three to ten. I'm not trying to make light of this, but once he's out of jail, I'm going to make light of something else. Once he's out of jail, will Roger Goodell give him three or six games? Six, it's automatic. Okay. I think he will try to play again. I just don't know that he'll be welcome well, to leave. Of course, why wouldn't you? That's all you got. I mean, Leonard Little was. I can't remember what in the end what he served. It was almost nothing. But Leonard Little was involved in a DUI crash that resulted in. Death and he played in the league. I remember sitting sitting at whatever Super Bowl it was, and they they went as far as having like NFL henchmen around him, like, hey, don't ask many tough questions. Like, what yeah. are we doing here? Okay. Um, you know, related similar story. We never cover this. Back in late June, Zion Collins got his sentence. I, you know, I haven't checked for an update if he got out of jail today, tomorrow, Monday. I know he was out after a 90-day, um, you know, 90 days in jail, but that was a suspended sentence. Mm-hmm. Well, because he had served while he was waiting for it. was a suspended sentence of 24 to 72 months. Mm-hmm. And he's got community service and I think a small fine. Right. He's got he's to meet all the benchmarks. Um, and if he doesn't, then he has to go serve. Okay. Yep. Are you surprised by that? No, I don't think so. Um, I mean, the... The, D, the DUI, everybody wants to talk about, you know, DUI should be more significant and the punishment, but yes, they should, but they're not. This is, this is what it right. looks like. This is, and, 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 you know, for everybody to sort of feign outrage on it, it's like, I guarantee I know somebody that, you know, that got in a DUI and got in a crash and they didn't serve even, time. even more than, I mean, it could be argued and I've kind of thought this before, like. I don't know that it should be any different if you kill somebody and just do it. Like you're, you're, you are doing the exact same thing. 
what the result is is out is completely different than what your decision making was. That assumes one view of what the justice system is supposed to accomplish, and that view is punishment, right? But part of the view of the justice system is retribution, right? Okay. So it is about who you've aggrieved. And so if you didn't hit anybody and you didn't hurt anybody and you didn't kill anybody, well, then we're only dealing with the punishment side of the justice system. So I disagree with you. Um, we, we, we in the American justice system have both of those components. Um, and so oftentimes you'll see, almost always you'll see the, the punishment or the sentencing varies depending upon whether others were harmed and to what extent. So you get in a uh, car wreck DUI and nobody gets hurt, it's less. You get in a DUI, somebody's hurt, it's more. You get in a DUI and somebody dies, it's even more. So we, we got to find justice for the person who's been harmed as well as punishment for the person who had done wrong. How do you say this dude's name, Tori, what's his last name? With Megan Stallion? Lanes. Okay, so Tori Lanes. Uh, we only have about 30 seconds here. Um, he got 10 years. Am I okay to be confused here? Attempted murder? Is that what it was? Well, I mean, I, I don't know all of the facts, but when you start shooting at somebody's feet, telling them to dance, like <laughs> the intent to shoot and fire at somebody with the known risk that it could hit them and kill them is real. And so, you know, the, the general intent behind the shooting is there. And the result can Fo result in death. Doesn't matter if you're a foreigner. No. He's, okay. This is Canadian. I didn't know if that. <laughs> wait. Well, if you're coming to the country and then committing crimes, I thought that might weigh into it. No. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins. Only on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. 69187 is our text line, our Finley Kia text line. Code is ESPN69187. Damon, what'd you get? All right, I think this is in regards to Henry Ruggs, you know, because I think he was on a lengthy house suspension. Do the two years already count? No, that was part of the the terms and i think in terms of nfl it doesn't uh even though maybe they'll make it a mitigating factor uh, in terms of when he comes because he was saying steve was saying how long would be suspended by the league when he comes out i think the nfl would probably consider it but it wouldn't directly be part of the penalty right well i mean the, he's been on house arrest up until this point when he gets done with his three to ten whatever it ends up being he he won't be on house arrest coming no we're out. talking for the nfl suspension yeah, though. yeah. If, if he goes and, say, and Goodell says, okay, he signed with a team, now we're going to give him a one-year suspension or a right, six-game, right. whatever, I'm sure he will come back and say, I already did two years. Before I went into jail, I was, I was out of the league for two years. That should count. Right. You understand I was, I was kind of joking in a sick situation about Goodell handing down anything. Right. Cut it out, bro. In this case, in the most extreme cases, the justice system did what it thought was right. Yep. You're not sending a message by going, we're going to attack on another year. Not that I'm rooting for Henry Ruggs to play in the NFL. I'm just that we've talked about this a lot. The NFL sticking their beak in things and further, you know, uh, suspending people is kind of stupid. Yep, I agree. We got we got a justice system. If you don't like the punishments handed down by the justice system, that's cool. If you want to make 
you know, certain crimes that are committed, like non-starters. We, you, if you've been convicted of these crimes, you are not allowed in the NFL. Okay, yeah, I could be. Can they do that? Yeah, sure. Why not? Could that be collectively bargained? Yeah, sure. You know why? Why not? I mean, like from my perspective, you've been convicted of rape. You are not welcome in the league. I'm not going to review your thing. I'm not going to hand down the sentences. Black and white. You've been convicted. (laughs) If you got a problem with that, and you want to, you know plead your innocence go to overturn your conviction i'm not even i'm not even here to hear it that's not my my job you know and there be a number of different ones you right. know terrorism murder all those things right espn reno espn las vegas justin watkins legal insider is in studio at the battleborn broadcast center with adam cofield demands back in our studios 766-1400 is the number to call the offices in reno and henderson and las vegas 775 in the north um, one of your favorite sports topics has been this conference chaos because there's, there's also a lot of legal wranglings behind the scenes and certainly it's a, it's a money play here. And what's unfurled over the last three weeks is it's crazy. The PAC 12, like we're going to have a, a Rosh, uh, Marcazi on in the five o'clock hour. Rosh went to, did he go to USC? I believe so. Okay. And Rosh has been, you know, some sort of professor there and he's an LA guy. And it's like, since the last time we talked to him two weeks ago, the PAC 12 is done. Mm-hmm. Like it is crazy. The rapidness with which has happened. So what we've got now, let's start first with Stanford and Cal. Yep. Right? They want to be in a light conference, even if it's the absurdity of being in a conference on the Atlantic coast. And I can't hate that because I've been talking about this a lot. Like some of the schools that are now with the West Virginias of the world, it's sort of laughable. Yep. You have different missions. So what do you think of Stanford and Cal potentially joining the ACC? Notre Dame apparently is making a strong pitch for both, which is funny because Notre Dame won't jump in with the ACC full-time because I think Notre Dame knows the Big Ten is a better conference to go to. Um, And then they're also potentially looking, I'm guessing, at SMU and Tulane, which are both pretty good academic institutions. Tulane's excellent. I don't really understand how that solves the two schools way the hell out, away from everyone. I brought it up yesterday. The closest school in the ACC right now to Stanford and Cal is the very uh, far west school of Louisville? Yep. That's a joke. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I personally think that they're not going to go. I think that really? the ACC is uh, vetting this as much as Stanford. I mean, Cal's going to do whatever Stanford does. As much as Stanford is vetting this too, I don't know that that's it's a slam dunk because if you think about it from Stanford's perspective. I get that their football program isn't great recently and okay, their, their basketball program hasn't been top notch either, but they win more national championships every year than any other school. They're good at everything and they, they have everything. And they got what? 37 or something. 35, 35 yeah. you know, uh, varsity sports, they win national championships every year. And all of those school are, I mean, all of those Olympic sports that they are just awesome at, I mean, what happened? How, how do you how do you real how do you logistically work that out? I don't know when you don't have any other partners on the West Coast with you when it's just Cal. It's that seems like a really big problem. I liked what Chip Kelly said today about this conference realignment, which was basically like, this is ridiculous. We've lost our way. What you need to do is you just need to have a whole separate conference for football of 64 or whatever teams it is. And there's one for that. And there's a one below that of another 64 teams. And because football's different, football's it's easy, easy to travel. We do it and keep everything else together because regionality matters. Rivals oh. matter. And that that good idea for down the road. Yep. But for now, they need the conference affiliations and the money. So well, they, that's they've the gone thing. in all these agreements. I don't think they can all back out 
and then hit the restart button and go, oh, no, there is a Pac-12 for all every other sport. Yeah, I, I actually it, I think we're either going to head one one direction in which Big Ten and SEC and maybe a third we'll call it Big 12 merge together or, or, or reform a new version of the NCAA or a new division or in five or 10 years this all gets unwound yeah. in some force and everybody's like, we're not doing this to our students. We're not, we have to go back because the, the other thing that's lost on all this is part of what makes college football great to watch on TV for viewership too, is that when you have these close proximity, when you have the regionality of it, there's visiting fans there. Mm -hmm. That's just maybe for the first year because the novelty of right. all this will be there, but that'll fall off to the wayside. It'd be so expensive to try to travel to all these schools to go do that stuff. So I don't know. You say I love talking. I hate talking about this, or actually, because it's especially because Oregon State got completely shafted on this whole thing. <laughs> but but um, I, I'm interested to see that at the end of the day here, like five, ten years from now, if if we're not going back. I don't think we will. Uh, I also, to the point, I, I know everybody keeps talking about all the travel that's going to be involved from some of the minor sports, not to diminish them, but we they're minor sports. Like that's why I think that's why they're getting so many teams. They're not going to be competing. It's not going to be Rutgers against UCLA in volleyball. Like they're going to, it's going to be Western Division. They compete against each other in those sports, and then they regionalize all the minor sports. Well, it has to be something though. The in the Big Ten, ones. there's four Western schools. Yeah, they have to. Yeah, so you're going to have to. Yeah, you're going to. No. Have to, yeah, you're going to have to compete with Iowa and Minnesota and Wisconsin. Yeah, and the in the postseason tournaments. No, you can't just play a regular season where you play three conference games or, but, okay. or six conference games. Right, you can't do it. They'll, play so the they'll, they'll mix, over they'll over mix them. But yeah, so you'll play them. Maybe you play twice against the teams in your region, once against Iowa, and then but you're not playing you're not playing the other conference. Dude, there's like forty there's just thirty volleyball games a year. They're not gonna they they that's a lot. They, they have to do a or lot. they'll or they'll come together and some have that's some what dual, I dual meet somewhere in the middle. Is there gonna like, they're gonna figure out they're not gonna be traveling because I've I've heard people, oh, you're gonna travel and play Rutgers one night and then Nebraska like they're not doing that. That's right. not gonna happen. Yeah. in these sports like they're going to figure out ways to really reduce the travel and everything but football and basketball you um oregon state undergrad and in law school at usd okay what did usd people think of san diego state they don't think about them at all i mean they're just they're, they're <laughs> two completely different worlds right usd is a tiny little i've been there it's beautiful, beautiful. It's beautiful yeah. but it they're they don't i mean the funny part about it is when i was there jim harbaugh was the coach and josh johnson was the quarterback of their crazy. football team i saw that football field next to the basketball arena <laughs> yeah. i was like what yeah is this harbaugh was coaching here it's amazing <laughs> yeah. so on san diego state I, they completely embarrassed themselves their leadership did with the first go around where they basically left the mountain west and then had to come crawling back and the mountain west didn't do anything to them didn't penalize them let them back and now the story is out that they were weaseling around again trying to get Stanford and Cal and, and Wazoo and Oregon State to combine with some teams in the Mountain West and then go grab some schools like SMU and Tulane. And then it came out yesterday uh, on CBSSports.com, and it's like, yep, San Diego State tried to do this, tried to break up the Mountain West Conference, and didn't work. And then the San Diego State AD comes out, and he's like, fake news. Bro, stop. You guys have a track record. This wasn't going to work. And you know, the, the one of the big motivations is, hey, if we combine with the four Pac-12, and now it's the Pac-4, right? Uh, maybe they'll still keep their auto bid in the college football playoff, which, by the way, that is not guaranteed. That will be reviewed, and it's probably going to be stripped. But the more important thing is they would force a dissolution, a dissolving of the Mountain West Conference so they could get out of their $34 million out. 
Right. That was I, the grand plan. And then, it, you know, now the rest of the Mountain West Conference schools are like, uh, what are you doing? This is like four times you've tried to freaking sneak around and job everyone. That's absolutely what should happen. I mean, everybody in the Mountain West, the, the nine of the 12 teams should absolutely be dissolving the conference and hoping to go, well, if they can stay with the other four, join in, that would that would make 13, add three more, right? right? Or, or even add more, go to 20, who cares, right? Like add seven more. That's absolutely what they should do for a number of different reasons. Number one, the TV deal for Mountain West sucks and can't be reviewed for another four years. You got three bottom feeding teams that are never going to be competitive and you need to drop off and they don't help out with anything. If you're trying to become a power five, if you're trying to maintain that status, you got to dump them. You got to get rid of them. Uh, by the way, who are the bottom feeding teams? There's a lot of opinions on this. Boise well, people want to drop I mean, UNLV. New Mexico, 100%. I, I would say Wyoming too, just because. Wow. Because the TV the, deal. TV deal. They're never, ever, ever going to add yeah, they any have value. The, they have the, by, by the, way, the Denver stop. market. We also, had guy, we had a guy in yesterday oh said, God. there's a lot of Cowboy alums in Denver. They have the Denver market. Yeah, but you look I, at their viewership. I also, there. I just want to be, I want to be clear to people who are like, hey, we're really good. Or people, hey, that team sucks. Little little to zero relevance. Yeah. If you're good or not. Oh, Oregon, nobody cares if you're good or Oregon not. Oregon State finished the year that, number 12. Right. They're gonna they might go yeah. to college football that playoff this year. Nothing. We're better than them. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. That's not what this is. That's not what college sports is. Yeah. Right it's now. How many people watch your games? Right now, what I would say, what my argument would be in line of what we just talked about is I would build a conference that has the you know, you got Boise State, you got San Diego State um you've got unlv you've got reno i've got all these major markets that are the fastest growing markets in the country they're not the biggest yet but they are on the upswing and that would be my sales pitch You know, the most embarrassing part, and there's a lot of embarrassing parts about this conference chaos and adults not acting like adults and being leaders. Um, a lot of the same people are up on social media. Like Adam just said, you know, we're good at sports. We matter. Like, you're, are, have you not seen what mm -hmm. equates to interest here? It's TVs and it's market size. Um, our buddy Ray Brewer over the Las Vegas Sun said, uh, Nevada, he said UNR, uh, Nevada has to be part of the bottom three. I don't think so. I was just talking to you during the break as a former legislator. How many people, how many legislators in the state, if push came to shove um, and approving a split, like, you know, Nevada's left behind, UNLV gets to stay or move into a new conference. How many would step up and go, no, they have to be together? I mean, legislators don't have a call on that, but but yeah, I would express say. your opinion. Right, right. I would say the majority. Yeah. I mean, m many of the legislators who served down here went to UNR. I mean, that's the thing. They're yeah. from Vegas. They go to UNR for school, then come back. I mean, that's Nevada, a common story. We're on arena right now. It's Nevada. Um, yeah. uh, Monty, our buddy who covers the Pac-12 very heavily. I don't know what his new beat is going to be, but it's basically just college sports. He's up in Salt Lake. He said, this is great. He said, uh, spoke with an SMU bo uh, booster today who tells me there's a group of donors willing to give $200 million over the next five seasons to compensate for the lack of distribution uh, if they go to the ACC and they only get like a quarter share or a half share. Yeah, we'll make up the money. I mean – even if they only got it a says, quarter says, share, it's more they than are in, they are in a now or never situation for entry into a power five yeah. conference. And and I'll say also, like, the, if it was just TV viewership, Oregon State would have found a home already, right? They, they are in the top 50. I know there's there's information out there that says we're ranked 57th in viewership. That's incorrect because they're, they're using um, the 
the numbers that they have for the full season, but seven of our games are on the Pac-12 network and those aren't released. So we're 57 without seven games being released. So, and, and similarly, Pac-12 schools have, have that problem, but we were on the Pac-12 network more than any other school last year. Yeah. So our numbers are, are skewed, but even with skewed numbers, we're number 57 and higher than half of the Big 12. So it's not just that, but you can't even start a conversation if you don't have it. Right. It's uh, the scrambling going on right now. I know Washington State's AD spoke out. Did they actually say in that story, Adam, how much money they lost last year? $11 million in debt, I think. Okay. I had heard $15 million. I heard Cal $14 million. And that was getting $30-plus plus million from the Pac-12. There's also, you know, I mentioned the guy Monty, and he brought this up, and I've heard from others. Um, there's also a looming situation with Comcast, where Comcast was overcharged like $50 million. Yep. And all those Pac-12 schools leaving, uh, they're either going to get taken to court or they better take care of the bill. And the, But that includes the guys who are left behind. Yep. But uh, – but, Oregon State and Wazoo are not the same thing. Oregon Wazoo, I think Oregon State has run a pretty tight ship. Now you've been eating, you know, fillets with the other big boys. You're going to have to downgrade it here if you don't make a Power Five. Wazoo's in. I mean, they're they're struggling. Yeah, I mean, I actually, I actually think I think uh, Oregon State and Wazoo are are pretty similar. I mean, if if the Pac- Big Twelve looks to expand, um, I think Oregon State would be higher on the list only because of fit. Like, what does that mean? I mean, right now, our, our football's on the upswing. Wazoo's had, if you take the last 20 years, Wazoo's actually had a couple of better years than, you know, they've had a better 20-year period than we had because we had a really awful six-year period. But we have a wrestling program, our baseball's elite, and we have some good women's sports that are ranked in the top 25. I think that fits more with Big 12 than Washington State, which doesn't have that their 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 baseball programs almost non-existent they do have one they don't have a wrestling program big 12 has all that stuff you're optimistic we've got 20 seconds left what's going to happen next week where are you oregon state oh gosh i don't know the the, the only thing the only thing uh, the only thing i'm holding on to is there's 400 million dollars in pac-12 assets that are left everybody's leaving that if if cal and stanford leave it then then washington state and oregon state get to split those assets so they would have 200 million dollars to bridge a gap to try to find something I don't know where we ultimately go. I hope that Stanford Cal stay and we bring up the nine best Mountain West and add in some of the other schools. Now back to Cofield and Company at the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, we continue uh, Rebel football opponent previews we'll have to get to uh, some of the nevada opponents and obviously they they play similar opponents at times now West conference schedule has changed though right there's a you do have a pod that you're matched up with a couple of teams so san diego state is out for unlv which kind of sucks but fresno still on the docket which hasn't always gone well for the rebels but um you know good series over the years and cam morrell played for fresno played six years in the national football league he's part of the Learfield broadcast team for the Bulldogs. You join Steven Adam here in Vegas. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you, fellas? We're good. We're uh, we just got done uh, turning in like 15 minutes of conference chaos uh, talk, and we hit that freaking every day. <laughs> it's it's madness right now. So we'll close out this yeah. conversation with that. But let's talk about what's going on with the football program with Fresno. Uh, first of all, we got to frame this whole thing with Jake Hayner is an all time quarterback in the history of that school and that school's had a lot of good quarterbacks so just talk about what jake did and now what the next step is as they have a replacement uh you tell us who it is but just the legacy of jake hayner 
Yeah, I think, you know, just about as much as any quarterback that has ever played here, and there's been good ones, right? Trent Dofer, David Carr, Derek Carr. Uh, I mean, Jake was the ultimate competitor. And I said it a couple of years when I saw him during spring practice, dude is the most accurate thrower of the football I've ever seen. And he ended his career as the most accurate passer in Fresno State football history. But he, he was a guy that just, you could, you could feel the difference in energy in the huddle when he took the field, the confidence that this offense had when he was running it. It's just different. You know, guys like that are special. Uh, and you don't always, you know, you don't always have them for Fresno State. It's maybe once every decade that you get a quarterback like Jake Hayner. And, I mean, they're going to miss him tremendously from a leadership standpoint, from a physical skills standpoint, from a toughness standpoint. He just had so many intangibles that you you just can't teach. You either have it or you don't have it, and he had it. And, and you saw how guys rallied around him when he was, when he was back there in the huddle in the pocket. I mean, 5'11", 200 pounds maybe, but stood in there, took every shot, uh, was you know, someone who I think will you know, go down as, you know, he'll probably have his number in Bulldog Stadium before too long because of the impact that he made you know, in the three years that he was here. And now he's gone, and there's a bunch of guys vying for that quarterback spot. Uh, it's a four-man competition. A true freshman, a redshirt freshman, Logan Fife, who started four games last year or five games last year, and, and Mikey Keene, the, the Central Florida transfer, who went eight and three out there, um, who I expect. Uh, it is an open competition. They're all working with the ones. They're all getting, you know, the same, close to the same amount of reps. But I think just because of Mikey Keene's uh, experience, uh, you know, the calmness that he brings when he's on the football field, He's the guy that I expect to take the field first against Purdue September 2nd. Because of, you know, the fact that there is a competition, there are qualified guys and capable guys on the roster. If he is the guy, uh, do you expect them to commit to that, or do you think there could be some shakeups during the season? Yeah, I mean, you know, if Fresno's 1-4, and four, then, then Mikey King's probably not the starter. They're probably looking at somebody else. I think it, you know, it really depends on, um, you know, how the offense is playing. I mean, Pat McCann is a new offensive coordinator. Kirby Moore is, is coordinating the offense at, you know, the University of Missouri and the SEC now. So there's going to be some growing pains. Um, you know, there's going to be some some need to play and work together to build some cohesion on this offense. That's just, you know, when you don't have a lot of guys who have played together, it's going to take some time to build that offensively. Uh, and, and if Fresno State is not winning games, then, you know, the quarterback position is the first place you look to make a change to try to bring a spark. But, you know, if Mikey Keene comes in and plays the way I think this coaching staff expects him to play, uh, does kind of go through some growing pains in the preseason to get ready for conference play, I mean, I think if this coaching staff, if he's head and shoulders better than everybody else, they're going to stick through with him even if there are some growing pains. But, you know, if you're sitting at one of four and you're own one in conference and, you know, things aren't moving in the right direction, yeah, Jeff Tedford has never been shy about opening up the competition in the middle of a season or making a change at the quarterback spot. So I think it's largely going to be determined by 
how Mikey Keene handles, you know, the first three or four games of the season and, and how much improvement this offense shows from game one to, say, game five. October 28th, UNLV and Fresno meet in Fresno. By the way, can we get some funding for some escalators on one side of the stadium so I don't have to run up that hill all the time? All the time, the press box. That's, that's one stadium. Lots of them test my uh, my durability. That one absolutely gets me. Um, all right, so yeah, you got some guys battling for quarterback here, but they are going to work with some new weapons. So let's talk about running back because Mims was really good, and I know they have people in place who are going to challenge to step up. Uh, Brooks is a really good receiver. They had some great receivers and, uh, you know, led by Cropper. So what do they have going here? Uh, you got a, a plethora of weapons at running back and wide receiver? Yeah, I mean, you know, Jordan Mims was a beast, right? Rodney Rivers before him, who was in the NFL. You know, Jordan Mims with the Bills now in training camp. Nico Armijo with the Chiefs. Jalen Cropper with the Cowboys. I mean, all these guys are gone. They were such a huge part of this offense, and this offense was explosive. So, yeah, Eric Brooks is back. You know, he scored a couple years against UCLA, scored against USC last year. He does step up in big moments when he has the opportunity. But, I mean, you're looking at a bunch of talented guys that have not done it at this level. So how long it takes them to really feel comfortable with one another, you know, I don't know. There, are, there is some talent, though. Um, you know, when you look at the wide receiver position, they brought in some JC transfers. Um, there are a couple of redshirt freshmen who, who didn't play last year who I think are going to have really big seasons. Uh, Jalen Moss is a redshirt freshman. Josiah Freeman, and, uh, who was a JC transfer, redshirted last year, so kind of understands what the expectations are. They brought in Jalen Gill from Boston College, who was at Ohio State uh, his first couple of years. So they do have talented guys. Malik Sherrod was the number two running back last year. He'll probably get uh, the first crack at being the starter. But, you know, he's a little bit on the smaller side. Elijah Gilliam, who did play at Bishop Gorman. I, mean, I really think as the season progressive, uh, progresses, Elijah Gilliam is going to be the running back that gets the bulk of the carries. He's about 220 pounds, has good speed, uh, good quickness, he's just built like a guy that Jeff Tedford likes to have at running back. Brandon Ramirez, true freshman from San Joaquin Memorial uh, here in Fresno, highly, most highly recruited uh, true freshman that Fresno State brought in. He's a you know high 4-4, low 4-5 guy at 205 pounds as a true freshman. He's going to get some looks, too. He's going to have the opportunity to, to get some playing time. So it's good. it really is going to be who – out of all of the, they have good talent. They, all of these guys are really talented. Who in game time situations steps up and makes plays? Because all of these guys can do it. All of these guys have done it in the spring and, and you know the first few practices in the fall. But you know when the real bolts are flying, who steps up and who's comfortable and who can maintain their composure when you know they're in a stadium of sixty thousand. Fans, like these guys just haven't done it yet, so it's really going to be a, a process of finding out what these guys are made of in those situations. You mentioned a lot of options and a lot of talent, but uh, also a lot of um, you know uncertainty heading into the season about who's playing where. Uh, they were picked to finish third in the conference. They did get five first or first place votes, which is second in the conference. Is that about right? Is that where you expect them to be? Because it seems Fresno State is always up there, but there are some questions to answer. 
Yeah, I think Air Force was big second, which I don't know how that happens. And you lose your quarterback and your running back who touched it like 35 times a game. But, yeah, you know, Jay Kaner's gone, right? All those offensive weapons are gone. Last year, it's easy to fix Fresno State because all those guys were back. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's easy to look at all of those departures and think there's going to be a little bit of a drop-off. And there probably will be. I mean, this team will not score at the same rate they scored last year. Uh, I really like Pat McCann's approach offensively. You know, I do think if Mikey King's a guy, he can handle it. You know, as this season progresses, these guys are going to get more comfortable with one another. But they're they're not the same team as they were last year. There are a lot of question marks that just weren't questions last year. You knew who the guys were going to be. The, the best thing about the situation for Fresno State is they were playing as good a defense as just about anybody, you know, especially on the West Coast. You know, the last eight, nine games of the season. That was year one in Kevin Coyle's system, who's been an NFL defensive coordinator, one of the greatest defensive minds in football. Now it's year two. You know, now those first five or six games last year where they were really trying to understand what was expected of them, you know, not stink on the football field, that's gone. I mean, this defense hit the ground running uh, in fall camp and – they are going to be one of the best defensive units in the Mountain West, without a doubt. You know, year two of Jethro Franklin, who has a decade of, you know, D-line coaching experience in the NFL. Tim Skipper, who coordinated the defense out at UNLV, former Fresno State linebacker, you know, a family of football coaches that he comes from. I mean, there's so much experience. J.D. Williams was also out at UNLV, four-time Super Bowl competitor, you know, starting cornerback for the Buffalo Bills. So much experience, and now year two, everybody understands. Oh, no, that was building to such a high point. Ah, damn. They're going to be good. Yeah. That's the bottom line. And that's not uh, Cam Worrell, former you know Bulldog player, hyping them up too much. They will get good quarterback play. They are going to have a good run game and good receiving game. Their defense was good last year overall. Oh, there he is. Cam, you back? Yeah, sorry. Dropped you guys. That's all right. That's all right. Hey, you know what? Um, We're a bit truncated this uh, block of the show, so we got about 45 seconds left. Just real quick take on what you've seen going on here with uh, going on with Conference Chaos. Where is Fresno going to land? Is there going to be just a beefed-up Mountain West Conference? I think so. I don't know what else there is out there. You know, I was really hoping the Pac-12 would skate stay together and you know, maybe Fresno State, UNLV, Boise ends up in the Big 12. I mean, that's what I was hearing. But now, I mean, Cal and Stanford in the ACC, that's really going to happen? You're really going to be in that conference? So I don't know. I think Washington State, Oregon State ends up in the Mountain West in some merger, some sort of capacity. But I, don't, I just don't see many landing spots for Fresno State right now outside of the Mountain West. Cam, we appreciate a couple minutes, and we'll uh, talk to you during the season. Uh, enjoy the beginning of the season. A bear of a schedule to start. Yeah, likewise, fellas. Always appreciate it. Yeah, they are at Purdue coming out of the gates, so chance there to pull off an upset. No uh, Aiden O'Connell. Yeah. Uh, Eastern Washington and then Arizona State. And uh, last year they were 10-4, and four, went 7-1 and one in conference, uh, smoked Boise, just took care of Boise. And I love – to see nothing more than the Boise people get it shoved down their throats. The arrogance is super, super high. And I'll tell you right now, if you give me Jeff Tedford, uh, Ted, speak, Jeff Tedford and his staff against Andy Avalos and that staff, good luck. Fresno's better. Yeah. Fresno's it's better. Easy handicap. And, you know, the, the, the crazy thing is 
Uh, for UNLV, that was one of four games where a couple of plays, really it was tackles. They gave up a 33-yard touchdown on a fourth down bad angle taken on the play. They gave up a 65-yard touchdown to Cropper. It was really a catch and run. Bad angle, missed tackle, two touchdowns right there. The Rebels actually rushed for 221. Yeah, they played well in that game. They were right there. But that, along with some other games that they just could not finish off, you know, you see Fresno go the other way, and that's why Fresno is great. That's why San Diego State is generally, uh, generally great. When it counts in the fourth quarter, they deliver.